Hey everyone, John here. Just a quick word of warning. Uh, we will be spoiling this film in its entirety, so if you have not seen this film and you don't want it spoiled for you, uh, just hit pause real quick and go and watch the movie and then come back and enjoy the show. Yeah. Really I only, I'm hoping a trailer exists since nothing was on the Blu-ray. Oh, that's going to be real One day, Tammy met a T-Rex and fell in love. Yeah. Okay, Brianna, if I can't find a trailer, you're making one for me. I will give you, I will give you 20s of dollars. Oh, okay, wow. I'll make the sound effects. There you go. Oh, God, can we almost just, can we just do this? Yeah, we can do that. Oh, my God. Okay. Hey everyone and welcome to another episode of Surviving Chick Flicks. I'm John. And I need a new co-host. <laughs> I keep telling you, you're supposed to keep that secret till the end of the show. <laughs> so, well, this week, as we have been joking about it off and on, but I finally got my way. And in case you somehow didn't read what you downloaded, we are talking about the grossly overlooked for an Academy Award... 1993 classic, Tammy and the T-Rex. Okay, that's not even right. <laughs> and and because my co-host has had something of a sour attitude towards this movie, I needed help. So we're bringing in some guests and new people to the show. So Amanda, Brianna, why don't you introduce yourselves? Hi, my name is Amanda Spangler, and I am here for your pleasure. I am a screenwriter. I have uh, written a book that I'm putting out there, and I'm in theater, all realms of it. And I am um, happy to stay. I have recently seen Tammy and the T-Rex. <laughs> and I am Brianna Beard, and uh, I have even more recently seen Tammy and the T-Rex. <laughs> And I am uh, also an author and a Twitch streamer. And uh, yeah, I'm I'm still processing this. If I'm being completely honest, I am still. Yeah. Uh, all right. And this episode so, is going to be broken down into Team Sammy and Team John. <laughs> yeah. So whoever you like best, that's the position you take towards the film, not okay. your actual feelings. So. <laughs> Darn it. <laughs> All right, so normally we ask the question, when was, I normally ask Sammy when the first time she watched this film, and it's usually a film I pick, so therefore it's, you know, like three days ago is her answer, but I specifically just want to ask Brianna, when was the last time you watched Tammy and the T-Rex? Approximately 20 minutes ago, <laughs> is when I finished it at least, yeah, very yeah. short film. That no. is the best answer. I had to yes. break it up into parts because my brain could not wrap around the just absurdity of it all in one sitting. I started watching it yesterday, and then I had to take a break, and then I came back to it this morning, and I'm just like, oh, well, that happened. See, I don't know if that's, like, the better approach. Part of me wishes that I would have done that, 
But on the other hand, it's kind of like a band-aid, right? Don't you just want to rip it off and, and get all the paint over with at once? <laughs> exactly. I mean, that's why, and that's part of why I made you and Amanda watch it together and so I could watch you watch it. <laughs> did you have fun? Did you enjoy it? I did. <laughs> there was surprisingly less yelling than I anticipated, but, you know, I assume that was because uh, Sammy didn't want to scare Amanda's animals. <laughs> oh, then they're fine. I had no no idea though how much of like a Timmy and the T Rex stand that your uh, roommate was, John. I was shocked too because whenever I said that's the next episode and that we were watching it together, he was like, "Can I come?" I'm like, "Yeah." <laughs> I was like, "Hold on, let me ask the homeowner." <laughs> but yeah, and homeowner says yes. Homeowner said yes. So, all right. So, Tammy and the T Rex. Um, let's, uh, let's play the trailer and then we'll get into what I inevitably assume is going to be three women yelling at me for an hour. Woo! <laughs> Best time. Everything in Tammy's life is just great. But when you're young and in love, life can get very complicated. Especially when it involves an insanely jealous creep. That's my lady, all right? Late night phone calls. I want you to come over. Yes! Sneaking around in your own house. Did you lock the door? Don't worry. Your boyfriend getting dumped in a wild animal park. And a crazy doctor. Well, that's it. Who turns out to be a mad scientist. And if you're going to make an omelet, you have to break a few eggs, right? <laughs> With an insane invention that only needs a brain. Yes! But this Tyrannosaurus Rex just wants to be a party animal. Even when you tell the truth, nobody believes it anymore. It was a dinosaur. What? It's more than a machine with a brain. I mean, it's a machine with feelings. We're on the brink of something special. Ah! We are going to be immortalized. Is that really you in there? Oh, Michael, what have they done to you? Oh, you poor thing. You gone crazy. Byron, I am not going crazy. This is just a little hard to explain. It's in a truck uh, being driven by your fat guy by your son. Byron? Uh, yes, sir. We see a couple of folks back in the hospital. They, they say he stole it. Stole what? The dinosaur. Oh, jeez. That is my dinosaur that you are threatening. I made him and he is mine. What are we going to do? I will give you immortality. Not if Tammy has anything to say about it. Tammy and the T-Rex. All right, Tammy and the T-Rex, or as the film incorrectly starts, Tanny and the Teenage T-Rex, starring Denise Richards, Paul Walker, Theo Forsett, George Pilgrim, Terry Kaiser, Ellen Dubin, George Buckflower, Ken Carpenter, Sean Whalen, J.J. Saunders, and John Franklin, directed by Stuart Raffle. All right, so the big question is, how in the hell did this movie happen? And 
the answer is not cocaine as it normally is, but instead sh- shady Dutch business, uh, shady Dutch businessmen who own theaters in South America. Are you entirely sure cocaine was not involved? They only had a million dollars, so I'm assuming that uh, all cocaine done on this set was done on everyone's free time. Wait, they had a million dollars? Yeah, that's what, what I'm thinking. I'm, think- I'm thinking at least half of that was spent on cocaine. The rest okay. on the floor, I would assume. <laughs> yeah, I mean, a million dollars is not as much money as you might think. Anyway, so the story, the legend of how this movie came into existence was there was a Dutch businessman who called Stuart Raffle and I'm assuming he, maybe he was just going through a Rolodex of like directors before someone didn't hang up on him. <laughs> but Stuart Raffle entertained his phone call and basically Stuart Ra- uh, the businessman was like, look, I've got a giant animatronic T-Rex that I'm sending to Texas in about three weeks. I want to make a movie. Uh, yeah, I want to make a movie with it and I have a million dollars to spend. And Raffle was like, all right, cool. What's the story? And he was like, that is your problem. And so Stuart Raffle and co-writer Gary Brockett wrote this movie in six days while the producer, Raffle's wife, started booking locations and uh, casting in the same six days. Holy cow. And, and all locations, by necessity, were within 20 miles of the director's house. So... <laughs> When, when Amanda was like, I want to analyze this as a screenwriter, I'm like, this movie was written in six days. I think you're going to be doing too much work. Okay. Oh, wait, hold on, though. Can we talk about that for a second? Because, honestly, I don't think that's an excuse. Like, we're cutting the movie a break because of how quickly it was written. But if I'm not mistaken, wasn't Scream written in, like, a weekend? Look, you would go and pick the one time that a good movie came from this process. Okay, all I'm saying is it can be done. So therefore, there is no excuse for whatever you want to call what we watched. I I have two questions. Um, okay. Two, two comments. One, the the process in which they wrote the screenplay has nothing to do with those terrible, terrible little arms that the yeah. T Rex has that that shoot out like Gumby. <laughs> also. <laughs> you know what? I'm, I'm too upset about those arms. Come back to me. <laughs> Come back to you. All right. So basically, uh, the plot of Tammy and the T-Rex is, you know, the classic American Hollywood love story of boy meets girl, girl loses boy to a, vi- a vicious lion mauling followed by a uh, mad scientist taking his brain and putting it into a teenage, into a giant animatronic T-Rex. And then girl falls for T-Rex. Okay, I'm sorry, guys. (laughs) Story time really quick. I promise this is connected. So I introduced my parents last night to WandaVision, which is, I think is fabulous, by the way, even though I've seen the first, I think, like four episodes. And my mom is sitting there going, she said, what kind of bizarre mind comes up with this? 
She goes, I, or she was like, I don't understand. This is so bizarre. And I was sitting there having just watched Tammy and the T-Rex. And I'm like, have I got a T-Rex movie for you? <laughs> like, if you think this is bizarre, there's a point to what's happening here. You just don't know what it is yet because they're burying the lead. There is no well, point to Tammy and the T-Rex. There <laughs> is. It's, it's getting Michael and Tammy who are truly destined to be together, you know, to be the ultimate couple of human, dinosaur, and whatever that was <laughs> at the ending. Let's just say this movie has a mind-blowing conclusion, and I mean that in the dirtiest way possible. That you do. A question. Yeah. Um, yes. Can we go visit this T-Rex in Texas? I looked, I cannot confirm. Hmm. So if if anybody listening happens to know the existence of the T-Rex from this movie, please let me know. And also, if you have a million dollars and want me to make a sequel in three weeks, <laughs> I will step up to the challenge. And I'll write it. And it will probably yes, be will. better. <laughs> You know, I think I'm giving too much credit to our listeners, John. All six of them. I don't think <laughs> two of them are on the show. <laughs> I don't think that any of them have ever heard of Tammy and the T Rex. They have. Well, uh, well, Brianna heard of it because I was uh, trying to get her to watch it about a year ago. Yeah, that's true. Honestly, I saw a a piece of this near. I saw part of the end of the film on TV late one night when I was a child and I was so confused and I thought maybe I had imagined it <laughs> but after watching it on Thursday just two days ago um, I, I realized I've seen this before <laughs> oh no I <laughs> we caused childhood trauma to return <laughs> way to go Sammy Okay, this was not my idea. We are not going to blame me for this at all. In fact, I was planning on being sick for this episode, but you told mm -hmm. me that coronavirus was not an excuse because we don't record in person. Yep. If you want to go around just getting coughed on at, like at, at different wards, you're like, hey, can you come and cough on me so I don't have to do this podcast? You're like, no, no, no. Uh, I, I understand like, the dangers, but there's a T-Rex movie at stake here. <laughs> Okay, and, so and speaking of, oh, go ahead. No, you're fine. Here's the thing, though. It, it was not all bad. Like, it had no. some good points. For example, I thought Denise Richards did a great job with what they gave her. I thought Paul Walker in his limited okay. role did a great job with what they gave him. I thought the guy who played Pablo, or uh, 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 Pedro from uh, Napoleon Dynamite in his very limited moment did a great job. Um, Wait, what? Pizza? What? He's the pizza guy. He's the pizza guy. Are you kidding me? Really? Dead serious. Yeah. He walked in and I'm like, vote for Pedro. Vote oh, no for Pedro. Wow. That explains why he's so quiet in the other movie is because he, he's still dealing with the trauma of being almost eaten by a T-Rex. Yeah. Well, well, and Ellen, Ellen Dubin, who played Helga, was also in Napoleon Dynamite. Really? Oh, come in yeah. circle. Blue. Believe it or not, most of the people in this film have worked before or since this movie. You know who hasn't? Well, the ones who have. You know, you know who hasn't, though? Yeah, the, the T-Rex hasn't, but neither has it the guy who played Byron. Theo 
Oh, I'm blanking on his last name, but he force it. <laughs> yeah, he is not. He he did a movie in like 2019, but his th- this movie was like his last movie until 2019. Well, well, when you deliver a performance that iconic, I mean, why do it again? I mean, it's like him and Daniel Day Lewis. True. Those words did not just come out of your mouth. <laughs> you should know by now. Of course they did. <laughs> to be fair, he did an amazing job. Again, with what with what he had to work with, he did an amazing job. I take a lot of issues with a lot of the writing because I, I disliked the um, blatant homophobia in a couple of places. But ultimately, he did rock the character. Yeah. I actually, I second what, you, what Brianna said. Like, I, I think that a few of the actors did a really good job with very, very poor... <laughs> To put it kindly, right. the nicest word I could think of, material. Like, I thought Denise Richards did, okay, apart from a few points, like that very, very awful faint in the hospital room, Denise Richards did okay, um, having to, you know, fake being in love with an animatronic T-Rex. Well, and, well, and also, <laughs> I have said many horrible things about Denise Richards' films over the years, um, but... It's her first film, and the fact that what she's given to do is to have an emotional moment with a giant robot dinosaur, <laughs> and also maybe fall in love with it and possibly have sex with it. There she, was some. She kind of knocked it out of the park. She knocked it out of the park. Well, if you kind of well, there's a kind of a, a line that Terry Kaiser gives whenever she's walking back up to her house like nothing happened. He's like, you can tell by the way she's walking. And I'm just like, uh, okay, unnecessary. But oh, right. Yeah. Of course, I did say unnecessary to a lot of this movie. I'm not gonna lie. All right. Well, you know, none of the funny. unnecessary. Oh, go ahead. Oh no, go ahead. I was gonna say none of the unnecessary better have been directed at Terry Kaiser, who. Seems to be the only actor who knew what movie he was in and was hamming it up big time. See, and I feel like I feel as though he went over too over the top, honestly. He's playing a mad scientist. He has to be over the top. That's and very you funny know, it is <laughs> Yes. And uh, if you don't know Terry Kaiser, he's a longtime actor. He's been acting since the sixties, but he's mostly known for Weekend at Bernie's, in which he played Bernie. Oh, yeah. yeah. So I he wasn't allowed to do anything in that movie. So, see, shocker. To... I disagree, though. I think that hmm. other actors played it smarter because he may have known what movie he was in and hammed it up. But like, I think Paul Walker and Denise Richards knew mo- knew what movie they were in, but they were like, mm-hmm. you know what? Darn it! If I'm gonna have to do this stupid movie, I'm gonna get other acting jobs out of it. Yeah. So, yeah. and this, this does not come from a place of bias at all, not even a mm-hmm. little bit. But I definitely, uh-huh. like two minutes into the movie, the only redeeming quality was Paul Walker. Like that, that, that was the reason I was sitting there. You mean it wasn't the cheerleading routine? I assume that's what that was, and the terrible, god awful soundtrack to this movie. Oh my goodness! The sequel could be Sammy and the T Rex. Oh my god! Oh god! Yes. <laughs> Yes. No, it, think about it. it. it Tammy grows it up. Mm-hmm. No, think about it. Tammy realizes that you know her her, her moment with with uh, the before before he was turned into a T Rex. Turns out she's pregnant. Turns out she has a daughter. Turns out the daughter for some reason falls in love with a different T Rex. <laughs> 
See, this writes itself. Played, played by Joyce, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Yeah, of course. And I, do pro- not, I do not endorse this at all. And <laughs> we could probably get Denise Richards for like, you know, $100 and a Pilates gift card. Look, oh, you can't nice bring Denise Richards. You can't bring Paul Walker back. So I just, I think the franchise is dead. Well, no, there said, goes the, the ending well, of the film. Thanks. <laughs> well, we, we have a warning on this episode that we're spoiling it in its entirety. So anyway, uh, did you know that only just last year, there is a band called Cold Heart, and they made a song for Tammy and the T-Rex called Tammy and the T-Rex. The chorus includes, cut me open, take my brain out my head, because lately I can't stop thinking about you in my bed, trying to tell you how I feel, but these words don't make sense. I swear my love for you is Tyrannosaurus. Where did you find this? Look, Amanda. You can find it on Spotify. If you were going to out me for having a band, you know, you could have used one of our other songs. Jeez. God. John, if you had a band, they would write a song like that. That is true. I would like to think I would write something a little better than that. Give me a little credit. Right. Not- it would be about Sleepaway Camp. Well, here's the here's the best part. There is a picture for Tammy and the T-Rex song, and the the girl has black hair, unlike Denise Richards, of course. But the ty- the Tyrannosaurus Rex also has hair. What? <laughs> the T-Rex has a full head of hair, <laughs> and a part. And we down- know that's not true because they had feathers. <laughs> exactly. According I, I to the science. Film. I love in the film, though, how he's able to hide in plain sight, and she's the only one that's able to see him at all times. I know sometimes the mad scientists saw him. Sometimes. So, (laughs) for those of of you still participating in the drinking game, just be prepared to drink a lot of water during this episode. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we have dropped the name Sleepaway Camp several times. Yeah, because there may be a few comparisons. Starting with, I think I was like, I don't know, maybe five minutes into this film before I realized that the plot of this movie was already better. And then you changed your mind about 20 minutes later. Right, and I made your And then she changed it again. (laughs) Look, that chase scene through the orchard honestly was was just... That that in itself was just better than Sleepaway Camp. Like that little section by itself. Wait, have you seen Sleepaway Camp? No, I have not. I'm just going <laughs> off of my feelings. Okay. <laughs> All right, we're gonna have to redo the Sleepaway Camp episode for Brianna. No, no, we are yeah. not. I am not living too. through that again. Do the but, second one. I've had enough pedophile look. jokes for. All of my life and someone else's life. I don't think those were jokes. I think those were reasons why that person needed to die. <laughs> it was a joke to him until it wasn't. <laughs> Amanda, how are you not w- working in marketing doing uh, taglines for movie posters? Because I think that's your calling. I, I actually already do that. Yeah. So, uh, Okay, so I have a few 
issues with the film. Okay. And, um, so one, I, I love how it's, a, this is one of those cult type films where you love to hate it and hate to love it. But I, um, um, I love the fact that there are certain parts in the film and I could be wrong where it actually is, is very, uh, it's high quality. And I, it's really enjoyable. And then they turn around, and then in the next scene, it's like, what is going on? How is, my brain's not really computing what's happening right now. And okay. they just they they combine so many different elements of uh, comedy and horror, and um, it's just like in your face. This is really good. Versus this is one of the worst things I've ever seen. How is this even possible? How is this? made but okay i i may get in trouble for this but i'm going to defend this movie a little bit oh lord okay so this movie was not technically made for an average audience like it was made for an audience for pe of people that like grindhouse movies exploitation just weird crazy films and also it was really made to play in theaters in south america Instead, this just kind of got dumped unceremoniously on video just as a rental. And also, it was hacked to bits into a PG-13 family film. Mm -hmm. What we saw is the uncensored international, what they call the gore cut. And uh, it wasn't, an, and that movie and this version kind of went unseen until about 2017 when Vinegar Syndrome, who put out the Blu-ray that I paid money to own. Uh, they, they finally tracked it down, and, um, you know, we, we have the version that we were always meant to see. Mm. But this was a movie made essentially just to be a rental. And then one of those kind of movies that, like, like Sleepaway Camp, like The Room, like these different kind of films that are not good in a traditional sense, but build up an audience to be like, hey, you haven't seen this weird movie? Here, let me show it to you. And it just kind of gets passed around like a cold. Well, that makes sense because the gore in this movie made me more uncomfortable than a Quentin Tarantino film. Same. Here's a funny yeah, at least The gore scenes were, um, were still in in other countries. Like the Italian version released it with yeah. all of the scenes intact. And then um, later on, I mean, when they realized they didn't want it to be an R-rated comedy horror, they decided to um, take all that out and they added it back in later, which yeah. I absolutely well, well, and that's also America versus... Everyone yeah, else. The, everyone else, yeah. yeah. I want to pay this movie a compliment, and I'm a little bit hesitant to do that. Someone write down the time that she did this. <laughs> but I'm going to go ahead and say it. So I want to give the writing just a tiny bit of credit where it comes to Tammy, to Denise Richards' character. So despite like all the weaknesses of this film where writing was concerned, I actually think that they gave her a little bit of a character arc because she started out and I really did not like her from the get-go. I thought she was extremely, extremely manipulative mm. and not at all good enough for Paul Walker. Um <laughs> He could do so much better. I didn't better. get manipulative. Well, I mean, that's just because 
I don't think they did. I mean, they they attempted to set up the abuse between her and her boyfriend, but it wasn't I, enough I think that's of a her setup for ex. me to. Yeah, but it wasn't enough of a setup for me to really feel like. It appeared more to me the way I was reading it, like she was, she was stringing Paul Walker's character along. Like she wanted him around, she wanted to be with him, but she wasn't willing to break up with this other guy. That's just like that's the initial feeling I got until you really got to see how controlling and abusive he was and then it made sense and she became a more sympathetic character. Yeah. She was doing what she was doing because she wanted to be with Paul Walker, but the character of Billy was still a controlling abusive figure in her life, even though she broke it off. He had the school had a uh had a uh, restraining order against him. So she was doing most of that to protect Paul because you know, if they got caught together, he might do something like, I don't know, beat him with a baseball bat and leave him in a lion pit. <laughs> oh, wait, can I, that happens. Can I just take a, a, just a brief detour for a moment to say that that animal preserve was so poorly run. Who keeps jaguars and lions in the same cage? Like, dude, this is not correct. They're not. No, no. With no, a no. road going through the cage. Like, where is right. this place? Oh. I love that okay. it's just a a, um, a wire fence with one little um, chain on it. And as I pointed out while we were watching the film, I love the fact that they go for the chain that is farthest to them rather than the one that's right there in front. I hope they close that well, gate. Up. Well, I, I will say this. I, I'm wondering if those animals don't belong to the director. Because Stuart Raffle, whenever he got into the business... He started as an animal trainer. He did. He trained the animals for Doctor Doolittle, the original, wow. and has done that through whenever he started making films. He Raffle started directing in like '71. He's been making films continuously to honestly varying levels of quality, but he has made films worse than this, if you can believe it. But he's also made films that are actually beloved. So, huh, interesting. But I can I can imagine that those were, again, his animals because, like I said earlier, all production had to be within twenty miles of his home. So that's why I'm jumping to that conclusion. So oh. that that particular uh, animal preserve exists somewhere in Thousand Oaks, California. Huh. And uh, also, uh, while they were filming. Wildfires broke out in California, and they nearly shut down. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Well, it was kind of their fault because uh, they got the money to make this film in the fall and not, you know, whenever it was better. But uh, whenever the... um, They leave poor Paul Walker for dead, and the game warden comes to shoot the lion in the one scene I had to text Amanda and be like, look, something upsetting is going to happen. Thank you. Yeah. Um, The guy that uh, plays the game warden was actually the assistant director for this film. And they gave him the nickname, the fixer, because when the wildfires broke out, uh, the fire department told them they had to evacuate. And (laughs) he said, we don't have to shut down. Give me $200 in cash. Got it from the producer, went off and uh, talked to the fire department for like 15 minutes, came back and said, we've got two hours. 
because this film had so little money and time, they couldn't afford to have a to lose a day of filming for that. And also, if you can, if you ever decide to go back and watch this film again, you can kind of see smoke and the glow of some of the fires in some of the scenes. Fascinating. Nice. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. And also, oh, Raffle... the links you will go to for art. <laughs> yep. Can we call and... this art? <laughs> yes. It's a type of art. Also, uh, when I said Raffle has directed films worse than this, has anyone seen Mac and Me? Oh, dear no. Lord. No. That was him? Yeah, it... He did that? That was, he did that. He did the ultimate E.T. ripoff. <laughs> Oh my god! And he won uh, the Razzie for uh, worst director, which he had to share with another director, uh, Blake Edwards, for a film I've never heard of. Wow! Yeah. Well, that's fun. Yeah, but he also made films like The Philadelphia Experiment. Uh, he's made films that uh, were actually critically acclaimed, and may or may not be still directing because he's got. Between his Wikipedia page and his IMDb page, he's got three films spanning from 2014 to 2019 that all say in production and I have and have no cast or production information. So he may just be sitting at home getting those sweet, sweet Tammy and the T-Rex residuals. Oh, my gosh. Because like, I honestly... I don't know what's worse. Like, I really don't. We had this discussion after the movie is over. I don't know what is worse. Somebody like this director who obviously is into making bad movies. So he knows what he's doing and he knows he's got an audience for it. So that's kind of fine, but it's also a little bit insulting. Or like a Tommy Wiseau who at least was attempting to make a good movie. Like he thought he was making a good movie and you can give him an A for effort. Hmm. Well, Stuart Raffle, he's not into making bad movies. He's into, hey, you're going to pay me to make a film. I am your man. That He's doing this to keep working and keep up his, you know, I'm assuming, Director's Guild insurance. So, you know, he's kind of the directing equivalent of that episode of Friends where Joey had the hernia and had to rush to. To, to film something to keep a sad card. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. Can I just yeah. say, and yes, I, I don't, I, I will invite all of the, the ire upon myself by saying this. Friends is not as good as people think it is. Amanda, Brianna, how dare you say such a, something so brave that's so controversial? Yeah, I know. I said it there. Right. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I think we've established on this show that. Uh, there are certain sitcoms that are beloved by many that don't really hold up uh, years later. Although mm -hmm. the Pivot episode is, I, I will die on the hill that that one is hilarious. Yeah, I think it's just about, I think it's just about taste. Because I think you went through the sitcoms that you think are a little bit uh, overrated the other day. And I could not have disagreed with you more. So, you know. Yeah. Uh, if you haven't heard the episode, it's... Uh, Big Bang Theory and How I Met Your Mother. You know what's overrated? Bob's Burgers. Okay. And do, do we really want Sammy to have this fight? Fired from this show. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, as long as we're saying controversial stuff. So in the film, they have a lot of gore, as we talked about, but 
I, I love the fact that a lot of the gore is it's everything you hope would cheese up combined with what actually would happen. Like with yeah. the, uh, the, the muscle man that gets flattened. His body is like the, the inside of a quesadilla. It's just, just all... I thought, that, I thought that was Isaac from uh, Children of the Corn that got flattened. No, he got his head ripped off. Oh, yeah, okay. he right. somehow sees the T-Rex, turns around so he is no longer facing him, and then waits as the T-Rex slowly puts his jaws around his head and then rips it off. Look, he had to hit his mark. He did. He did. Um, so the guy that gets flattened, you can tell that there is old, an old, like, stain there on the hey, concrete. Do you want to pause for a second wait for the dog to stop barking? Yeah, yeah sorry, that's mine. <laughs> Hold on, let me, get, let me get... <laughs> let me see if I can let her out. Sorry, John, I'm the director now. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. You mean I don't have to do uh, anything cool? I'm just gonna sit back and no one's probably she sees like, a squirrel yeah. or a person. And that's why upsetting. not a squirrel person. Molly, that's rude. If we can have Batman, we can have squirrel person. Well, Marvel just... does have squirrel girl. She oh. doesn't like it when squirrels girl. come on her property. We haven't been to thought... yet, then. I thought we, she was just protesting that we were talking about Tammy and the T-Rex. Well, that too. <laughs> All right. All right. May, may I continue? Yeah, start over. I don't know. Okay. I don't know. All right. Brianna, count me in. One, two, three. So the guy that gets flattened, there is a stain on the, on the concrete of what could possibly be old blood. Because I assume time has passed since they have found him. And yeah. he's just like dough that's been rolled out and she just drags him back in there. What she does yeah. with him, I would love to know. Like, do they hang him up? Do they put him out as a carpet? What goes on there? Good question. Yeah. And does also, the uh, laboratory s set was just the warehouse where they were storing the T-Rex. And they just made it work. Or of course it was. They had a, they couldn't afford to start building sets. So I, like I have a question and I don't know like if y'all have done the IMDb research on this, but I'm just curious. The fact that Paul Walker and Denise Richards were in this movie says something to me about the state of their career at this time. Yes, it was the start. <laughs> okay. I was just wondering, like, because it seems to me that at a certain point, actors that really want to make it, they're desperate and they'll do almost any film. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Especially when you're yeah. just getting your start. Like, you know, you'll take any gig that comes along because, well, one, it's exposure. Two, it's fun. Yeah. I mean, yeah. what was it? Steve Carell did a KFC commercial? Oh, that's cool. I didn't know that. Yeah. Sammy. In, in fact, uh... Sean Whalen, who was in this movie, he played Weasel, the guy that uh, peed on the dinosaur, uh, who would go on to do Twister. He was at that time known for a milk commercial that, that he had filmed for, and that was specific to that area. Huh. Huh. And weirdly enough, 
that was what got him Spielberg's attention for uh, one of the projects he ended up working on. I, and I think Twister. I think Spielberg was involved in Twister somehow. Or oh, he wow. at least should have. Or at least he should have been. <laughs> That's awesome. It's yeah. amazing how things so go through careers. Yeah. I mean, and, you know, Paul Walker, who would, after this, go on to do Varsity Blues, which, as you know, that movie is about as accurate to football as this movie is accurate to science and logic. But I kind of really love that movie. Um, I have yet to see it. Oh, you need to. And Denise Richards would go on to do, uh, she'd be a Bond girl in maybe one of the worst James Bond movies, but not necessarily due to her. <laughs> she played Dr. Christmas Jones. Which, by the way, I almost, I almost introduced the entire cast as characters they played in better movies, and then I got to about the third person, and I was like, well, this went out the window. See, this movie actually inspired me when we were talking about all the films that I should have picked to uh, get you back for making me watch this movie, if that's what you want to call it. I forgot to mention, and now I'm suddenly inspired thinking about Paul Walker's early work, is that we should watch She's All That. I've seen it. There's nothing you can do to me, and I'm saying this knowing full well that I'm going to be wrong one day. There's nothing you can do to me that I haven't done to myself worse. That's probably true. Yeah. The room. No, I can defend the room. The Room is an absolute masterpiece, and you cannot tell me otherwise. <laughs> you have four copies of it. Yes, exactly. Just in case. <laughs> okay, so I, I do have to make another Sleepaway Camp comparison. Drink. Um, okay, so something I actually think that Sleepaway Camp did better than this film is the writing of the adult characters. So... Something that really bothered me about the writing of this film is, okay, for comparison with Sleepaway Camp, they had a terrible, terrible adult figures. In particular, the very psychotic, creepy aunt, stepmother, whatever the hell you want to call her. You leave her alone. (laughs) She served, who I still say is the creepiest character in that movie, that includes a psycho killer. But... I think that, you know, she she served a purpose, right? Like, she was written with a purpose. She cre- Essentially, she is responsible for who the killer became, right? Yeah. In this film, the parents were an afterthought. It's like they wrote the movie and went, oh, she, crap, she's supposed to have parents. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that was, one of my, so. that was one of my favorite moments when the gang just shows up at the house and the dad's like, I'm going to do something about this and just, and just opens the door, the door for open. them. Like, he might as well have said, she's upstairs, first door to the right, you can't miss her. Well, he I mean, she has the mind. worst parents. She does. That it was hilarious, though, whenever Paul Walker snuck in, you know, they called just to make sure she was okay. Didn't go up and check on her. <laughs> also, what this was like the 90s. Did they have two phone lines in their house? What well, the, yes. Uh, back in the 90s, when you wanted to call your own line to get somebody else to pick up, all you had to do was call your own number. And then it would call your, your house back. And then you could talk to well, each other. And, well, and some families did have 
two lines, especially which don't get mad at me, but teenage girls like to talk on the phone. So in order not to tie up the main line, they would give them their own line. All it said to me is even back then people were lazy, too lazy to walk up the stairs and they still called their teenagers on the phone. Yep. Well, remember the mom said she doesn't like to be disturbed. She doesn't like to be disturbed. You know that, Dad. Who bought her all that lingerie for the final scene is what I'm wondering. Yeah. (laughs) Probably her parents. Because they knew, if you pay attention to, they knew he was up in the room with her. Like, I don't don't like that this is unhealthy, what we're doing here. But I guess we're powerless parents. What are we supposed to do? Here's some lingerie and some sex. Are you saying that now? Are you saying that parents shouldn't buy lingerie to let their dead boyfriend's brain have an orgasm? You know, I, I think I think I might actually I think I might actually take that stand. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah. It's a hot take. I know. I just what is remarkable? Oh, go ahead. Sorry, say that again, Amanda. Who set up the camera and everything since the mad scientist is gone? He, uh, supposedly, he was the only one aside from um, the, the guy Hel- from you know, the corn. Bobby? Hel- Helga lived. She might have some, you know, she was his assistant. Maybe she knew how to science. His dominatrix assistant. What is remarkable to me is that as I was watching the movie, I, I remember I made notes that the only way this movie could possibly be worse is if they put the brain back in Paul Walker's head at the end. How wrong I was. Like, I that would have been a better ending than what they came up with. And honestly, I do have to give them credit because I didn't think they could make the movie worse, and yet they succeeded. Okay, I will... I will... Uh, jump out of my defense role for a moment and go into uh, heavy, heavy criticism of this film. I actually hate the end of this movie. And I say that as a straight man who at a time would have enjoyed seeing Denise Richards dancing like that, but that move, that scene is just so cringy mm-hmm. <laughs> on just every conceivable level. It's cringy, and you can tell that it's written specifically for, and, and I know this term is overused, but for the male gaze. Like, there's no reason for that to be in there and for her to be staring right. into the camera like that, except to be like, hey, guys, look at it. Denise Richards. So hold it's on. like well, that ha- scene from Fifty Shades of Grey where he, it's just that scene literally of him shirtless doing the pull-ups. In, there's no reason for that scene other than just to, like, here, women, here's some eye candy. That's oh, all yeah, that hey. scene was, but for men. Exactly. I, I'm going to say that. I'm going to say something as a straight man. That scene made more sense than the, the end of this movie. <laughs> well, he's in such great shape. You have to figure out how and when does he do this. Yeah, exactly. Right. right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But but you're right about the male gaze part because half of her dialogue is "I want you," "I need you." Like, yeah, as as she's staring all... into the camera, and I'm like, "All right, breaking the fourth yeah. wall there." <laughs> yeah. And, and I think it just maybe has something to do with with me because she, like she's staring directly at me, and I hate people doing that. So I think that's part of why I'm uncomfortable. And that seems like stop that. Stop, stop staring at me. me. So um, 
in the movie, Paul Walker's body, it's only been like a couple of days, but his body has decomposed about a year's time. Yep, I, I, I'd, so I'd noticed that. There's no way yeah. he could possibly have put his brain, well, not him, but somebody else put his brain back in his body. And the one okay, the, first I, one the girl chooses for at the morgue that is so easy to get into and just touch all the bodies, by the way, that, that first body was perfectly acceptable. He's being very picky. Yeah. Absurdly. Yeah. I, okay. Okay. Wait. I, I have a question. In this film, I just give it a pass. Okay. I I have to ask a question, and then I have a defense of the rotted corpse. Okay. The the first guy didn't she turn him down because he was like too well endowed? Because yes. I think that was like why Byron was into it, and she was not. Which says something right. really crappy about Michael. No, it means no. he was perfectly acceptable. Yeah. And, and now she... I have a. Uh, go, ahead. go ahead. I was well. I was going to defend the rotting corpse. Okay. Go for it. Defend. Okay. All right. Let's look at this movie. Um, as it is, the hospital. A mad scientist and his assistants are just able to roll a body out unseen and put it in their van. The morgue was so easy that two teenagers were able to break in and play with bodies. There, and also, Michael has one living relative who's a drunk. You know they went with the cheapest funeral home to who didn't even bother to embalm the body and probably left it in a super warm room and there were probably already rats in that funeral in in that room in that morgue so maybe that's how we got to that state that's my defense honestly i mean i understand it but i feel like I don't know. That bothers me less. I I think that they could have come up with some logical explanation for that. I just much, did in much two minutes. Less and let's pull that out than of my the ass. kid that gets attacked by a lion and somehow comes out simultaneously in a coma and with no visible injuries other than a black eye. He had a bruise on his cheek, and I think there was a band aid, and he was so messed up, Byron fainted. <laughs> I'm sorry, I don't like Byron very much. His timing was way off. I liked his dad a lot better. I know, I'm sorry. But, well, I, I will say this. The scene in the hospital is both simultaneously the worst scene and the best scene because of Dr. Walkenstein's attempts to bring him back to life. That yes. was a performance. Live! 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 Well, he's done. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, honestly, I think what it came down to is they just looked at Paul Walker and went, he's too pretty. We can't mess him up. <laughs> you know, that is also entirely possible. But also, I, you got to give Paul Walker credit that he got through the scene in the morgue, the scene in the, in the uh, hospital parking lot, and the scene in brain surgery and kept a straight face the entire time. Not during the brain surgery. I noticed that he was suppressing a smile that entire time. Well, he's only human, but he's as perfect as human beings come, so. 
Like I noticed that he had this kind of like half like like I, okay I refuse I'm not gonna smile I'm not gonna smile oh no oh, oh, this is really funny I'm not gonna smile dang it and so like his mouth was just ever so slightly turned up and I was like and he did flinch a couple of times so I mean yeah oh uh, by the way I, I'm gonna pay the movie another compliment whoever worked on the film that decided to put Paul Walker in a crop top and football pants congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna ask you about that. If if Paul Walker came back from the dead and came up to your door, we know the answer dead. to this question. What would ask it anyway. What would you do if he showed up like that? If he showed up at my door, well, what does he look like? She'd, um, she'd stop answering phone calls for a week. Is he decomposed? Probably. We okay, have well, to be realistic here. So, zombie Paul Walker. Wow, we are going into <laughs> re- da- much darker territory than I anticipated. I would be very, very, very concerned about why there's a zombie at my doorstep. Yeah, not that it's Paul Walker. No, now, if he returned normal. That's a different story, and it could go along with. So this is not a real theory, but this was my theory back when Heath Ledger, <laughs> back when Heath Ledger died, that he was still alive, but in witness protection because he witnessed something he shouldn't have, and because he's a celebrity, they can't just put him in witness protection. He's easily recognizable, so they've got to fake his death. It was a look, very look, cool. Alexander Jones. <laughs> I have nothing else. Go ahead, Amanda. <laughs> oh, no. Not good. Right. So. But anyway. Yeah. No. No. Sometimes I say so and pause while I think of the next thing to say and take it out and post. So. Ah, so you don't know what you're going to say yet. Yeah, pretty much. So, so anyone can jump in is basically what I'm getting at. So, you know, even though it had so very many flaws, and there are so very many things that if I personally were in charge of the film, I would have changed or edited out entirely. It was not the worst film I've ever seen. And again, I will give credit where credit is due to the actors. I think they did the best with what they could. What they had, and especially like the time constraints that they inevitably had. I think that the actors, with they did the best that they could with the material that they had and the time constraints that they had. I think that um, there was a lot wrong with it, but it's okay because there's a there's a lot wrong with a lot of things. And but again, it's not the worst movie I've ever seen, which is saying something. Okay, can I ask, what is the worst movie that you've ever seen? Because I would like to now actively avoid it. Oh, this is a good roundtable question. Oh, good. Okay, here we go. Oh, that is definitely that one movie, the name of that I think I've blocked out of my memory, but it's the one with the eels. Oh, Cure for... That's the worst? Uh, Cure Cure for for Wellness? wellness. Yes, I would like to say... Cure for Wellness? That's the worst movie I've ever seen, personally, if I do say so myself. There was so much wow. was so much wrong with that movie. I hated every moment of it. It was just terrible. It was terrible all around. Everything about it was just the it was it was awful. It was terrible. I hated it. It was it was really bad. It was so bad. It was just bad. Okay, it was bad. Was it bad? Okay. 
It might be bad, okay? It might be bad. Because right. it is. Okay. All right, Amanda, Amanda, what's your worst? Trolls 2. I was rewriting the entire script as I was watching it. It was so bad. First of all, Troll 2 is a masterpiece, said the man Pardon. who recommended this film. Pardon me. What is wrong with you, little brother? Now, there is one scene I absolutely adore, and I will show it to anybody who's willing. Is it, oh my God? Is it, yeah. oh my God? Yes, yes, it is. And they don't believe me. And then I show it to them, and they're like, I, 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 I uh, what? Yeah. It's wonderful. That movie does shut, shut a brain. That movie does shut a brain down. <laughs> Kills your brain cells, that's for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, John, what's it for you? Okay, well, I'm going to go, I guess, a slightly different route than everyone here, but my worst film of all time is called The Brown Bunny. It is a uh, Vincent Gallo uh, indie drama where Vincent Gallo writes and directs and produces himself uh, driving across the desert for 45 minutes, goes to get a blowjob from his girlfriend, cries, and then drives back through the desert. This is a movie that Roger Ebert infamously took down at Cannes and Vincent Gallo put a hex on Roger Ebert for. I watched this on a Thanksgiving afternoon and I don't know how I stayed awake. And I think it was just because I was seething with anger the entire time. (laughs) Wow. And later, Vincent Gallo and Roger Ebert apologized to each other because the hex did involve cancer on roger ebert the disease that ultimately killed him Ooh. oh yeah. don't like that what yeah. yes but vincent gallo's defense was i was aiming for your call and he goes well you just missed me you got me in the jaw so ebert <laughs> at least had a sense of humor about it oh man so that's yeah rough. so that's my worst film of all time <laughs> okay sammy Okay, this is Don't kind say of a this tough. Film. No, this is kind of a tough one, but I think my worst film of all time is Open Water. It's one of the only films that I mean, there's been a couple films I've turned off, but it's not common. Usually I will just make it through a film if I don't like it. I didn't make it, I don't think halfway through that trash of a movie. I thought it oh, was wow. the dumbest thing I think I've ever seen. Oh, then I should show you Microwave Massacre. No, because it, it was offensive in more than one way. Not only was the writing and the acting bad and the storyline pointless. I mean, because it was literally just two people stuck in the water with a shark circling them. It was boring on top of everything else. Like, how I don't know how you make a shark movie boring, but somehow they managed. Yeah. Hmm. I liked Open Water because it was kind of the... The Blair Witch Project in the sea, but I mean, no. I, I get it. They should make a, a movie about a shark that just wants to be friends. The Blair Shark Project. <laughs> they did that. It's called Finding Nemo. She's got a It's Finding Nemo. Uh, it's your friends, not food. Ah, uh, crap. You said no, the shark name tail. of the fish. I was going to say Shark Tale, but <laughs> crap. Sammy, you said the name of the fish movie on the show, and now Zach, my coworker, is going to be. Insisting that we cover this movie. Also, <laughs> controversially, I've never seen Finding Nemo. What? What? Yeah. You have to see Finding Nemo. 
I were you in a coma honestly, when it came out, or what happened? I feel like I now feel like watching Finding Nemo because we mentioned it. I haven't seen a, about half of the Pixar films, and oh. the reason is it's it's been a combination of time, money, and me being like, no, I'm an adult. I want to see adult movies, meaning films for adults, not porn. <laughs> but also sometimes. I, I, you know, I've mentioned on the show, I've been a paid film critic, and there's nothing more weird than as a single man going into a room filled with children just to watch a movie by myself. That's why you bring us. Right. Y'all That's weren't fair, available. But children's the, movies are the best. <laughs> yeah. My defense is half the time y'all weren't available at 10 a.m. on a random Friday. And also, I don't think I knew half of you at that point. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Actually, that's... Yeah. If you're going right, for something so... that's more um, more recent, Punch Drunk Love, I did not appreciate that movie at all. I know some people. Well, this is Amanda's that... first and last time on the show. <laughs> I knew it was you. I knew it was you that said something about it before. I love that movie, and that's my defense on why Adam Sandler is a great actor. One of my defenses. John, I will I can... say this. <laughs> To help you out a little bit, we cannot do Finding Nemo on this podcast because it does not fit into our criteria. So there you go, Zach. (laughs) (laughs) That's okay. Just keep swimming. Yeah. All All right. I think that's a good segue. Why don't we start asking the big questions, Sammy? So first question, what is something about, what are the things you like about this film that we haven't already talked about? Uh, Why don't we start with Brianna? Oh, yeah, that works. I'm sorry, say that one more time. All right, what are the things about this film that you liked that we haven't already talked about? Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> Hold on. Oh, God, the editing I'm going to have to do on this show. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, the orchard chase. That was that was glorious mm-hmm. in, in, a, in a terrible way. Just, I don't know, there's just the giant dinosaur heads sticking up out of the box. <laughs> in the back of that truck and I'm like do they realize how heavy dinosaurs are even animatronic ones like there's there's so many issues there but yeah that and and the uh the sheriff did a good job of just being in disbelief the whole time although I really yeah. think he should have uh slapped his uh deputies down when they um said that homophobic thing about his son but that's okay yeah it was the fun 90s f- yeah uh n- maybe not so fun fact this is the last film credited to J.J. Saunders, who played the sheriff. Mm-hmm. And of his last three films, two of them were directed by Stuart Rafel. Interesting. Yeah. Also, that was me being sarcastic. It was not okay just because it was the 90s. I just felt the need to clarify that. <laughs> yeah. And also the uh, two homophobic uh, dipshits, uh, as as Joe Bob Briggs called them, Tweedledee and Tweedledum. Um those are both like legendary like character actors from like the seventies like exploitation and grindhouse mm. era. Um, the heavier one, George Buck Flowers, he basically has played a bum or a homeless person in like almost every single John Carpenter film from like how from I think Halloween two to like Prince of Dark or In the Mouth of Madness. Like I was looking through his credits that just went on and on. He's got like a hundred. He had like 162 credits to his name. And it's like, I've heard of half of these and I don't remember him in any of them. 
and he's also a screenwriter in a uh, in his own right. And but the films he wrote, uh, the the one any of y'all might have heard of, and it's only if you were up late in the '90s watching Skinamax was uh, the Bikini Car Wash Company. <laughs> Gives you an indication of his talents as a writer. Yikes. Yeah. And um his co his co-star also did a bunch of uh 70s uh exploitation stuff and is still kind of a working guy to this day. John, I have a question. Hold on. Okay, good. Never mind. Okay. <laughs> All right, I wanted to make sure you were recording cuz on mine it did not show you were recording. It shows online. But I see it now. Yeah. Don't give me heart attacks. <laughs> Just because we didn't record two episodes. Oh. That sucks. Are you serious? Yeah, it has definitely yeah. happened to us twice. And we oh, only man. recorded one of them. Well, that was Jackie Brown. Yes, and that was completely neither, necessary. Yeah, neither of us wanted to go back and re-record the bodyguard. <laughs> No. So people have definitely missed what is, we have coined our best ever episode. We were just flawless. <laughs> yeah. We were on point, as the kids say. <laughs> oh, man. So, Amanda, what did you like about this film? <laughs> so, from a writer's standpoint, I really enjoyed the fact that they, even though it wasn't very much done they gave several of their characters little subplots they they had um a great backstory for byron that i wish they would have tied in a bow and the end but mm. <laughs> um i i liked the gore aspect of it and the fact that like i mentioned earlier some of it was just way overdone <laughs> But some of it was accurate. So the fact that they combined that, even though it was completely wrong, it was very entertaining. And it just, it made you step back and just realize this is a film that is not perfect. And it doesn't expect you to expect it to be. So just enjoy it. And I you know Joe Bob Briggs gave this four stars out of four. <laughs> well, I don't get many opportunities to just sit back and enjoy the film as is. I'm always having to break it down and figure out what can be changed here. How could this have been said differently? If I were writing this, how could I possibly um, make this even better in this scene? But I just, there's so much. Um, complexity to what is happening in that scene alone it's so simple but so complex and i just i i really enjoyed that aspect of it hmm. if that makes sense yeah, yeah it does all right all right sammy uh, you're up okay um, and you have to say things okay what i liked about this film paul walker okay i'm done <laughs> just kidding. Okay, I'm a little bit serious. Um, and by a little bit, I mean a lot. But, um, and I love that he was barely in this movie also. That makes me just feel better for him and his career. 
because uh, this movie really I went in anticipating that it was going to ruin him for me because I was going to be so sad that he chose to do this film but he was such a small part of it and he did so good with the limited role and subpar material he was given that I will give him credit for doing it um, in all seriousness the other thing that I did like about it was I think a lot of the humor was on point. I think that some of the comedy was really well-timed and well-executed. So that's actually... I I don't know much about the screenwriter, but of all the things that they did, I think that their comedy was pretty decent. Specifically the funeral scene, which I feel terrible saying that. But the scene where they they had Michael's funeral, and they had him there as the T-Rex, and the T-Rex is, like, nodding and shaking his head and crying... I do think that all of that was pretty well written because the writer had some understanding of what they were writing and who they were writing for. So I will give them that credit. You know, the writer is the director of the film. <laughs> so. Well, there you go. Yeah. All right, John, what did you like? And keep it to a minute or less. <laughs> we're not, we're not going to have the boogie nights. Uh, just unloading of things. Um, some things we that I like that we haven't really touched on yet. The testicular standoff, for one, which is not something anyone has ever had. But I just love the fact that the resolution of two guys trying to squeeze each other's balls is that one of them was wearing a cup. And it was the smarter of the two. Oh um, personally, my, when I... Because this was the third, and because in watching this for the show, I watched this for my third and fourth times. And like a lot of movies we covered for the show, I'm also taking a long, extended break from this film. Um, but when I watch this film, the things I really love are uh, really Terry Kaiser and Ellen Dubin, like that whole weird relationship of, of the doctor and his possible porn star uh, girlfriend. I really love the, the, the way they played off of each other. Like, first of all, I just love Terry Kaiser <laughs> just going as over the top as he did. I know that I'm maybe alone in that rowboat <laughs> um, because he really, he, he kind of did the Franklin Jella and masters of the universe thing where it's like, I know where I am and I'm just going to have fun with it. But I really like those two, two characters. And I love the fact that this movie made me, A, give a compliment to Denise Richards as an actor, because I've never really done that, but the fact that she was able to find a place to have an emotional moment with a giant robot dinosaur was impressive. I, Sammy's going to think this is kind of heresy, but I'm, I'm not really a big fan of Paul Walker in this film because I've seen him be so much better in other stuff, including Too Fast, Too Furious, the one I hate. No, actually, so. I will I will accept that because uh, you may consider this heresy, but even though that is the worst of the franchise, by far, it is leaps and bounds better than this movie. So well, I, the, I'm not going to argue well, with you there. That's also, that is kind of an apples and oranges kind of thing because, you know, two different, you know, types of films and two different types of things asked of this man. Um, but, and also my first introduction to 
Paul Walker was Varsity Blues, so for me, he's always that character in everything he does. I think I do but need to see that. You you do. Um, it, yeah, um, it, yeah, it's fun. It's it doesn't age well, especially with through the twenty twenty lens, and I can only. I actually haven't watched it with a 2021 lens, but it was kind of uh, not woke then. <laughs> but I that was a movie I would watch uh, basically during football season throughout the week on video leading up to game day. Yeah, I'm that sad. <laughs> so, so I'm going to ask everyone to keep this brief, starting with Brianna. What did y'all think sucked about this movie? I'm well, you. yeah, I don't know. Some like like I said, the 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 homophobic comment was the thing that just really like, I that that for some reason blew away every other like negative thing that I thought about the movie. I was just like, eh, no, I take it back. That's the worst part. Yeah, and well, my only defense of that, which is not a defense at all. Mm-hmm. Is they at least gave that to the two dumbest people in the in the movie. So yeah, yeah I just wish kinda... there had been some sort of comeuppance for that. I guess yeah, like maybe the dinosaur stepped on them. Yeah, like heck, I, I am I am all for like you know foreshadowing like oh this is a bad person because they said something that was bad and would you look at that they got their comeuppance for it like. Yeah, it would have been very, like, obvious what they were trying to do if they had done that. But at the same time, I would have been perfectly fine with it. Um, however, as far as, like, non-things like that that I thought were the worst part, um, Billy's crew was just... I... They're... I, uh, I, I, I just... Why? Why were they like... Why were they there? Why were they like that? Why were they so loud? They they covered up so much of the very important and probably um, like I would say life changing dialogue um, with their you know jeers of of no get him Billy during the um, as you said the, the crotch grabbing incident um, which testicular torsion is not a joke um, it does kill so thank you doctor <laughs> glad I could be of service yeah. all right Amanda. I, I'm I assuming guess. Brianna was done. Yeah, yeah, for now. <laughs> okay. She is now. Um, I, I agree with everything that Brianna said. I mean, back in the 90s, those jokes, like even on Friends, um, they were a dime a dozen. And it, they didn't seem as um, ill-putting back then. But nowadays, you, you see it and you're just like, oh my gosh, I hope that person... Has that happened to him? Yeah, or at least like gets his leg broken, just learns somehow. Or in the case, or in the case of Banky from Chasing Amy, spoiler for multiple movies, ends up being gay himself. There you go. Maybe maybe that is why they kept making jokes about his son because they were gay for each other. And they were just trying you know, to hide from the world. Oh my gosh, it all makes sense now. That internalized homophobia will get you, man. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. And um, I also agree with, with the gang. I mean, there, there are some good actors in that gang, and they weren't able to shine, and that's very unfortunate. 
But again, this was a first for several people in that film. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. you know, and I the just, last for a couple. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I don't like the fact that back in the 90s in general, bad girls always had their mouth just hanging open, baring their teeth at all times. I don't understand. Were they trying not to get all of that, those layers and layers of lipstick on their teeth? Were they trying to just keep it clean? Or yeah. were they just trying to like be visible at night? I don't understand. <laughs> Maybe it was like a, I have to be ready at any moment to say something super snarky because I'm a bad girl. Thus they, you know... Hey, that- Hey, that's my entire existence. Okay, that's true. That's true. You are so, bad. I didn't I mean am. to take your uh, your your. I didn't mean to step all over your. Uh, get her, Billy. There. Get her. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and I just gotta say, I really hope the lion and the jaguar are doing okay. I hope they're living their best life if they are still alive, because I know it's been a while, and I'm not yeah, sure how I'm, long they live. The, the lion I'm went assuming... in the ambulance to the lion hospital and came back, and they were friends. Oh, yeah. good. And then they took. And then they took Paul Walker. <laughs> they yeah, took the lion so first. The, the lion it's carried... Like, he's... He, it's like, they looked at Michael, well, he's clearly fine, so let's take care of the animal that had gun, <laughs> yeah, gunshot And, and they it. just, like, hitched Paul up to the side of the ambulance and was like, eh, we'll drop him off on the way. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah. That okay. looks like a clinic. With because bats. honestly... If I were that jaguar, I would need like you know some therapy or something after that. That was that would be really scary having a person mm-hmm. come into my home like that and try to climb my tree. I don't think so. Mm-hmm. That is where I sleep, Mister. Yeah. Excuse me. Yeah. All right, Sammy, keep it short. Okay, I will keep oh, it right. brief. Um, yeah, I mean, I agree. I think that, the, you know, the characters were definitely insensitive. Um, and, you know, I'm going to kind of echo what you said. It's not at all defense. I think, was it um, culturally, culturally is not the right word necessarily, but for the time period, was it realistic? Was it accurate? Probably, which is why they didn't think twice yeah. about putting it in there. Um, yeah. Well, and... I'll I'll give you the Kevin Smith defense. You put the which is not the world's best defense, but it's a defense. Um, you put that dialogue into people to indicate they're not good people, which is why I'm one of the few people that doesn't bat an eye every time Tarantino has someone using the N word because he doesn't write movies generally about good people. Mm. So. Right, exactly. N word. Do what? They don't all have to say the N-word. They don't have to. Moving on. <laughs> I, I don't want to have the I don't want to have the N-word debate where I'm on the end of defending Tarantino. So. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's like, it's like, please, let's not have that. Um, um so <laughs> um apart from that, I mean really just okay, so this is what bugs me. I am not a fan of, so I I just, I want to keep a consistent argument here. The reason I don't like Wes Anderson is because he makes, in my, in my opinion, he makes artsy movies for the sake of being artsy, right? Like he's Mm -hmm. purposely going to make a super bizarre, strange movie because he's like, how weird and strange and artistic can I make this for 
just so he can seem pretentious. That is how I feel about people that specifically make dumb movies for the sake of an audience like people that are into exactly this type of genre. They're, they're, They're going for two hours of really lowbrow entertainment. So it's the same thing. Like, I, I just like the middle ground, right? You leave Wes Anderson out of this, okay? Yeah. She is my I'm child. sorry. It, I have strong it, feelings about Wes Anderson. If it wasn't for Wes Anderson, no Starbucks barista could go to the go to the movies. Hey, you leave Starbucks out of this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I understand that Wes Anderson actually does make some good some good movies, and I, I get that. I'm just not a fan of his style. But and I'm gonna say something even more controversial. I feel the same way about Tim Burton. Like, I'm sorry. I'm aware of how talented he is and how much people like Tim Burton. I do not care for his style. Does it mean he doesn't make, on occasion, a good film? Absolutely. But on the well, whole, not I'm not since 1999. <laughs> so it's very, these movies are very, to me, this is a very similar thing. Is it fun to sit down with your friends and watch this type of movie? Absolutely. But it's yeah. by no means like good quality filmmaking. Yeah. And I, I think that's you hit the nail on the head why I bought this movie in the first place is because it's the reason why I own only one copy of The Room, unlike some people on this show. Um, I feel personally attacked. I just need to say that out loud. <laughs> it was a personal attack. <laughs> oh, okay, well, then, then, then you have succeeded. Yes. But... I, the only reason I watched this movie on my own at all is for that first initial, what is going on? Like, what is this movie about? Like, I, I've never seen The Room by myself, thankfully, but I've seen this one by myself a couple of times. The second time, I at least got to tweet along with uh, the Mutant fan watching it live on Joe Bob's uh, Valentine's Day special. But... Yeah, I get that's the reason why these movies exist is to show them to other people and be like, look at this weird shit. (laughs) So I guess this is my point where I talk about what I don't like about this movie. It is. Okay. Well, I guess I have to take my fan hat off and put my critic hat on. Like I said earlier, I hate the end scene to this movie. I just think it's just so cringy and terrible. And I think most of the dialogue is in this movie is cringy and terrible. There are some gems occasionally, but for the, I mean, for the most part, this movie is pretty terrible. I I objectively admit that. Um, I I think I, I think I do agree with we could have used less of some characters and more of others. Like maybe not necessarily more Paul Walker, but give byron more to do get more into the relationship between him and his dad lose tammy's parents because they were useless to begin with um and we could definitely lose uh the two redneck cops uh and give me more terry kaiser and ellen dubin i i wanted more of them so i mean i really don't have anything else to add because it's everything has been pretty much adequately covered i think I think it's time for the big question. And since we've been doing this in order, I guess we'll start with Brianna. Um, Did you survive? 
And just so y'all know, we have no criteria for determining whether or not you survived. It's 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 the criteria that you decide determines whether or not you survived this film. See, I feel that I survived out of sheer force of will. I refuse to let this bring me down. I'm a I am a fighter and I will forever be able to say I survived Tammy and the T Rex. Well, that's a new one. Yeah, I do. Sammy's going to be using that one. Like, I survived by sheer force of will. We should have done this before all the two, all the boys movies. (laughs) But um, okay, you you are done making that joke because you survived two out of the three. They don't know that. They do now. But um, I, I wonder if your reaction, though, Brianna, would be a different level of survived uh, had you been able to watch it with other people. Possibly because I could have had my own running commentary instead of just to the ghost that lives in my apartment. It would have been to people who would actually give feedback. Yeah. You'd been like, you could just tug on the shirt sleeve. Like, Is this really happening? <laughs> You're all seeing this, correct? I'm not the only, yeah. this isn't a mass hallucination, right? Right. It could be. Still could be. That's still a possibility. <laughs> All right. Amanda, did you survive? My name is Amanda, and I survived Tammy and the T-Rex. Hi, Amanda. Hi. Uh, we were all supposed Hi. to say that. Oh, hello, oh, yeah, Amanda. That... It's too late now. Uh, <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. Sorry, I was getting a donut and stale coffee, so... <laughs> <Boo>. <laughs> Uh, all right i have to know sammy where did you land (laughs) so i had to give this a lot of thought guys because really the only thing that i can compare this to that we have watched uh drink (laughs) that we have watched for this podcast for those of you playing our drinking game i'm very sorry um is sleepaway camp which I did not survive. So I really struggled with whether or not I survived this film. Because usually the questions I ask myself are, would I watch it again? Would I recommend it to anybody? And what the hell is wrong with John? (laughs) Sort of. So (laughs) I really, this is weird. I really kind of hate to say this, but the answer, would I recommend this to anyone is absolutely not. Would I watch it again? I kind of compared it because I definitely would not watch Sleepaway Camp again, except under similar circumstances or at gunpoint. But I think with a group of friends, I would probably watch this movie again. So I'm going to go with Barely Survived. Just Just based off the fact that there was enough comedy in this film that it sort of ended up redeeming itself. Now, the ending nearly killed it. Like, I almost did not survive, and I had to give it a lot of thought because of how terrible the ending was. But yeah. I, I think I barely survived. So, John, did you well, survive? First of all, well, first of all, my five-star rating on Letterboxd for uh, Sleepaway Camp uh, is upset right now. <laughs> Believe it or all right. So we have established in this episode that I own this movie. I paid money to own a physical copy of this movie. I've seen it four times. But believe it or not, I actually had to think about this because 
this is not a good movie. Is it a fun movie? Yes. Good and fun are not necessarily in the, you know, the same thing. But there, there are a lot of problems with this film, both, you know, problematic problems, just logic problems, writing problems, production problems, casting problems, just existence problems. Um, the first time I watched this movie, I didn't really know if I liked it or not. Now, I had fun, more fun watching it with the Mutant Fam on Twitter when Joe Bob was showing it live. I had fun watching it with uh, Amanda and Sammy because there were other people in the room. But watching this by myself with no one else to talk to, kind of like Brianna, it's kind of a chore. So, as the... Can I give two answers, actually? Sure. Sure. We make up the okay. rules, so... That's, that's right. This is our show. We can do what we want. So, I both don't survive and survive this film. I survive it when I'm watching it with another human being. One or more. But as something to... You know, just turn on to either watch and be invested in or for white noise like I do a lot of times. I, I've got like like a couple hundred other movies I could throw in and not any of them are called Tammy and the T-Rex. So <laughs> take from that what you will. I, the critic in me says, no, this is not a survivable movie. And the person that likes to getting together with people and having a shared experience, then you really can't do much better than this because this is this is a movie best experience with other people. Can I second that, actually? Because that better defines how I feel about this movie. Yeah. And I like to call it the Rocky Horror Picture Show effect because there is not a, a movie that more <sighs> describes my feelings about Rocky Horror than unwatchable and unsurvivable on your own. Yeah, and well, fun when you're in a group of people. Yeah. Well, I can defend Rocky Horror because I have watched that movie by myself so many times from 1994 to um, uh, didn't do it last year. So sometime this year, I'll I will probably see Rocky Horror on my own. <laughs> Rocky Horror is also one of those things that I found late night as a child, and I was like, "What is this?" <laughs> But I, I mean, uh, I it was like almost every night. I don't know what channel it was, but it was the same channel as the as the one I found Tammy and the T Rex on. All right, well, we can put Tammy and the T Rex to bed, but I think next week is going to be a little bit more different. Sammy, what do we got going on next week? So next week, finally, I get back control. And we are going to watch... You get control for two weeks. <laughs> okay, so next week we're going to take our uh, very first foray into the world of Aaron Sorkin. And oh. we are going to watch Molly's Game. And so just be prepared because it is definitely going to be at least a 20-minute diatribe on both John and I's love for Aaron Sorkin. I think it's going to be an hour and a half diatribe on how much we love Aaron Sorkin. With the occasional mention of this of the movie for next week. Because <laughs> just be prepared to shock everybody. This is something that John and I actually agree on. Wow. It it does happen on occasion. Y'all so. need to like 
It's almost like y'all need to like record that or something so that we can have it for posterity. We yeah, we are us. heavily cons- we're heavily considering that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So normally at this point we do ask if uh, Sammy and I have anything to plug, but you know what? We're not going to plug anything this week because I don't think either of us have anything. But we do have guests that probably have things to plug. So Amanda, Brianna, you got anything? Tell people what where they can find the things you do. All right. Amanda. <laughs> oh, or Brianna. <laughs> what? <laughs> no, I was waiting or... for Amanda. Oh, yeah. Hold on. Uh, uh, Brianna, you go first. <laughs> Alrighty, sure. Well, as I, again, my name is Brianna Beard. I stream on Twitch as Unlikely Beard, and uh, I write under the pen name Lee Beard, L-E-E. I have two... Um, books out to young adult science fiction novels out currently. I'm working on the third one. Um, Which are awesome, by the way. Oh, well, thank yeah. you. I appreciate it. It's a lot of fun. And I've watched, and I've watched you Twitch a couple of times. So, Yeah, it's, it's, it's always a fun time. I, I like to try and build a community of, of people who uh, just kind of have fun. And, and isn't that the whole point of Twitch? <laughs> I think so. Well, I think for some people it's to make money. That's true. All right, Amanda. I am. I'm going to be in a production soon. It's a musical review, but that's all I've got going right now. And uh, well, do you have anything on the web? Do you have anything on the web that people can find out and see or read or do anything with? Um, at the moment, everything's just a work in progress. So I've um. I've got a film that was um, in production. It's called Dead on Set. It is currently in production. I've heard of that. Yeah, me too. I do believe all three other people have been in that film uh, at some point or another. It's it's a zombie comedy short. So um, once we get that back, It'll be hilarious, and people really enjoy it. And then I will feel comfortable moving on to something else. But um, um, beyond that, nothing else really going on right now. I'm just taking a break. It's a nice break. Uh, all right. All well, All right. Well, Brianna and Amanda, thank you for finally getting on the show. And hopefully you'll come back, and hopefully you'll both come back for a better movie. Um, <laughs> sure, anytime. And yeah, and Sammy, thank. Oh, do what? I'm welcome back. Yes, you're, welcome back. you're both welcome yes. back. Yes, because anything that keeps me from having to talk, go for it. Love. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, and Sammy, thank you for enduring this movie and not stabbing me. You're and welcome. I made yes. sure there were no thank- objects by. Yes. Oh, we forgot to ask Molly if she survived. Um, Molly, Molly said she did not. She did not appreciate the negative depiction of the T-Rex. Okay. Her animal brethren, so. Sunshine, however, uh, did survive. She thought the juxtaposition of the T-Rex was pretty uh, spot on. So. Yeah, sunshine. Sunshine was there from the minute we started to the minute we ended uh, watching it. So, 
kudos to her. She was facing the wrong way, but <laughs> in her heart. Was she? Was she? <laughs> All right. Well, and thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, if you like us, please give us a five-star review on iTunes. Follow us on Facebook, which we occasionally do something on. Twitter, which I do absolutely nothing on. And Instagram and TikTok, where Sammy keeps the show alive. If you have a suggestion for us, including to jump off a bridge, please send us an email at survivingchickflicks.com. Actually, please be a little nicer than that. Mostly like a suggestion of what you would like to see. And until next week, thank you all for listening. Bye. Bye. Surviving Chick Flicks is created and hosted by John Baggett and Samantha McDaniel. Our audio engineer and editor is Cody McLean. For an ad-free version of the show, please visit patreon.com slash surviving chick flicks, where $5 a month gets you an ad-free version of the show, as well as our manly movie of the month. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter and Instagram, and please give us a five-star rating on iTunes. All opinions are that of the hosts, and no copyright infringements are intended. Surviving Chick Flicks is a Circle of Jug production, all rights reserved. Now I, I finally have time to do what I've always wanted, write the great American novel. Mine is about a futuristic amusement park where dinosaurs are brought to life through advanced cloning techniques. I call it Billy and the Clonosaurus. Oh, you have got to be kidding, sir. First you think of an idea that has already been done, and then you give it a title that nobody could possibly like. Didn't you think this was seller list for 18 months? Every magazine cover had it. Popular movies of all time, sir. What were you thinking? I mean, thank you. I'll come again.